Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. there. I'm Cindy Linden, and this is the Cook Along Podcast. I'm making something today that I did not mean to make with you, because I thought I was making it for my family on Christmas Day. But we had a winter storm warning that sent everybody scurrying away too early. You know, I was going to serve it as a sort of mid-afternoon nosh, you know, partway between breakfast and dinner when people were starting to get a little peckish. But everybody ran away before that. So I didn't get to try it, but I had prepped all the ingredients, and I really just want to try it. This is a recipe for an appetizer that comes from Half-Baked Harvest. They do great stuff over there. I really like their website. They come up with the most creative recipes. I just always am finding something quite intriguing over there. You should check it out. It's called halfbakedharvest.com, which is where I got this recipe, as I said. And it's called baked gruyere in pastry with rosemary and garlic. Now, as you can imagine, there's a lot of hot button words there for me. Got the word pastry. That will always make me look twice. Then you add cheese and you add garlic and I'm in. You know, that's really all it takes. I'm going to make this here with you. And instead of my family being my guinea pigs, you get to be my guinea pigs because I have not made this before. It says it takes 15 minutes to prep, 30 minutes to cook. I'll give you your ingredients so that you can be ready to cook with me if you wanted to do that. You need one sheet of frozen puff pastry. And here's your first do-ahead as well. They always come in two sheets to a box. And unfortunately, they're not individually wrapped most of the time. So the first do-ahead about that is that you have to wrap up the piece in plastic or a Ziploc bag or something, the one that you're not going to use, and put it back in the freezer. And then the second do-ahead there is that you have to extract one sheet and put it in plastic so that it can defrost, so it isn't hard and it's not going to break when you unfold it. That usually takes at least two hours. Mine's been sitting for a couple of days, because like I said, I meant to cook this a couple of days ago when it really was Christmas. Because they advertise this as the holiday appetizer, and that sounded good to me, you know. I was looking for something fun and different that nobody'd had. You need a pound of cheese, and they recommend Gruyere, as is in the name, or Fontina, which is a less Swiss-flavored, more kind of Gouda kind of cheese, or a mix. And I opted for the mix because two kinds of cheese, as in a grilled cheese sandwich. Two kinds of cheese are always better than one kind of cheese. 
By the way, I do have a really, really good grilled cheese sandwich recipe on the website, the Cook Along Podcast. You might want to check it out. It's only a little more complicated than your usual grilled cheese, but as you can guess, it uses more than one kind of cheese. This takes me to the second do-ahead, which is that it has to be cubed. And I feel kind of bad about this because normally I would do that with you. But I've already cut it all up because I wanted everything prepared in advance on Christmas so that I didn't have to leave my family guests in order to come do a lot of work in the kitchen. So I prepped everything in advance. So I'm just telling you that you need to cut up your cheese into little cubes. And mine are probably half to three-quarter inch on each side. I don't know if that's the right size or not because I haven't made this before. But I think something not too big is probably a good plan. So like I said, that's your second do-ahead. You need a tablespoon of fresh rosemary. We're going to chop it into tablespoon. This was interesting for me because while we did not get the winter storm that they were threatening on Christmas Day, we did get some snow. So I was out there. I had to walk outside into my yard in 29-degree weather and pick a stalk of rosemary that was covered in snow. It was kind of fun and different. That doesn't often happen. We don't get a lot of snow where I live, although we're getting more these days as time goes by. You need one to two cloves of garlic. You need a couple of teaspoons of honey. And they suggest that you might want more honey for serving. I don't know that I want to do that, but we'll decide when we get there. If you have a nice honey that's good, any honey will do. You need one egg, which is really just to brush on the outside of the pastry to make it look pretty. And then it suggests coarse sugar for sprinkling. I feel kind of weird about that because this is a savory thing, and I don't know if I really want the sweetness of the sugar but I have that great sparkle sugar that I talked to you about that I like so much. So it's going to be really tempting to use it. Uh, I guess I'll just decide when I get there. Your other do-ahead is that you need to preheat your oven to 425. I'm going to use my toaster oven, so it preheats really fast. But if you're using a regular oven, you probably want to turn it on pretty far in advance. Because it sounds like this is going to come together really fast. And my oven, at least my full-size one, takes a long time to get to 425. I'm not going to turn on my toaster oven yet because it heats really fast, which is part of the reason I like using it. As far as equipment goes, you need some parchment paper, and you need a 10 to 12-inch baking dish or pan or a pie plate. A pie plate would do the trick. That's about the right size and will help you curl the edges in, which we're going to do, I guess, in the latter steps of this. So without more ado, let's get started. We have to unwrap the pastry. Puff pastry, as I said, comes in packages with two of them, and then each one is folded, usually, into thirds. And each third has got a little strip of paper on it to keep it from sticking to the other third. So as you unfold it, you want to take those pieces of paper out and just throw them away. We don't need them. A lot of puff pastry recipes want you to do a bunch of fancy stuff with a puff pastry. You have to roll it or you have to make sure that the seams are stuck together and aren't going to break, which they won't if your puff pastry has been defrosting long enough. I haven't ever used puff pastry that was quite this soft because I don't have the patience, usually, to wait for it. But it's smart 
to do that. All we have to do is put the parchment paper inside the pan and then put the puff pastry down on it. I'm having a little trouble getting the puff pastry centered on the paper. I can't, it's like sticking in the wrong knot center or sliding down from the edges. You know what? I'm going to take the paper out of the pan and just set it on the counter here. And then put my puff pastry on the paper and move the whole thing into the pan. There we go. Oh, that was so smart. That was a very smart thing to do. So that's step one. Step two, once you've cut your cheese up, and again, I'm sorry to be so far ahead of you on this. I've got them all, these little cubes, this pound of cheese, probably 60 to 70% Gruyere, and then the rest is the Fontina. We're just going to pile those in the center of this puff pastry. Make this little mountain here. And then pieces that are too far to the edge, we have to move in because I think we're going to need to fold up the edge. Boy, it makes a pretty tall mountain, guys. It's uh, I'll take a picture and show you. I know it's going to melt, but right now it's a pretty tall mountain. All right. Moving on to the rosemary. I'm going to get a really sharp knife. And what you want to do... Hmm. So I just clipped a sprig, and probably even if you bought fresh rosemary in the grocery store, it probably comes on sticks, stalks, sprigs, whatever. You want to hold not the stem end, but the top end of what would have you know, been the top of the plant. You want to hold that in one hand and then use your fingers and your fingernails. What we're going to do is peel those rosemary leaves off of the stick, but we do it by pulling the leaves back backward. It's like brushing a dog's hair backward over its eyes. <laughs> no, it's not anything like that. I'm sorry. But it, it, you hold the growth end of the stick and you pull the leaves backward along that stem so that because you're running your hands backwards over it, using your fingernails to kind of grip against those leaves, it's just going to strip them off the stick. If you do it the wrong direction, all you do is comb the leaves into place. So you have to do it backward and they'll peel right off. And then get as many of the thick woody stems out of there as you can, out of what fell onto your cutting board. Pull them off the ends of the little sprigs if you have to, because they're really not very helpful. And once you think you have all of those, get a sharp knife and we're just going to chop it up. You also could use scissors. That's probably better to use scissors. I'm not going to do it because I didn't think of it in time. We're just kind of mincing this into little tiny bits. I don't care how you do it. Scissors, sharp knife, dull knife, and I don't think it really matters that much. Now, into that pile, which I'm going to kind of scoop together. I should have done this on a cutting board that was portable instead of the one that pulls out of my counter. That would have been smart. Oh, well. So now you want to get, if you have it, a zester or a fine kitchen grater. You want something really fine so that you can get the garlic all shredded up. Because what we're going to do is take, again, I'm going to recommend two cloves of garlic. More garlic is better than less garlic. That's a really big clove, but I still think I'm going to use two. 
And then with the flat of a large knife, a metal one, not ceramic, you just sort of smash down on the garlic so that we break it and the skin will then just come right off. We're not going to chop it this time, as you've probably guessed from the fact that we got out this planer zester thing. If you don't have one, you can use a garlic press. You can mince it. All of that is fine. But the more garlic surface you can expose, the stronger the garlic flavor. So that's the difference between, say, large chopped pieces of garlic and minced chopped pieces of garlic and squashed or shredded garlic. Grated, I guess, is a better word to put it. And the difference really is that the smaller you get, the more garlic surface is exposed. And so the more garlic it's going to taste. So I am grating it on this zester thing right over my pile of rosemary because we're going to mash them together with our fingers after we're done grating this. That's probably enough, but <laughs> I, I peeled two and I believe in two. Sounds like some kind of song. I believe in two. Now I'm doing the second one. And some of it's falling down, but most of it sticks to the back of the zester thing, which is actually really helpful. It's something that a lot of people don't know, is if you're zesting a lime or a lemon or whatever, and you don't want the stuff to all fall out, you just do it upside down. That sounds crazy, but if you turn the zester over right now, you'll see that all of that grated garlic is stuck to the bottom of the zester thing. It hasn't gone anywhere. That can be really helpful. It doesn't fall off, but then we have to kind of scrape it off, and we're going to mix it together with the rosemary. Got this almost paste. It's almost a garlic paste, really, and with our fingers, what we're going to do is munge them together. It's very messy. Your hands are going to smell like garlic, probably irretrievably for about two days. Sorry, but it's the way of cooking. It happens. So once you have this paste with the garlic and the rosemary all smooshed up into this kind of, I don't know what it is. It's wads. Wads. <laughs> We're going to just sprinkle. This is not very sprinkly anymore because it's so wet, but we sprinkle that over the cheese. Just sort of distribute it as well as you can. It's a little tricky because it really is more of a clump than anything that's sprinkleable. And much of it is sticking to my fingers. I'm trying to get it off of here and spread it around. I guess it looks pretty well distributed, except for there's some really big clumpy spots. I would suggest if you're having the same issue, do what you can to break it up. Boy, you'd think I put butter in this. The garlic is so sticky, which now I really have to rinse off. Okay, that's a little better. Now our two teaspoons of honey. I'm using an unprocessed raw honey. And two teaspoons isn't a lot. Just scoop out one teaspoon at a time and drizzle that over the cheese, the rosemary, and garlic. This may seem like an odd combination to you. I think it's going to be cool. I think it's going to work out really well. It feels kind of Greek somehow to put this honey on here. I don't know why. But it just strikes me as making this into a Greek dish. And then your second teaspoon over the other half on the other side. Oh, that's a large clump. No, I'm using my fingers now to uh, pick that up and move it. Actually, you know, two teaspoons doesn't sound like a lot of honey. 
it's a significant amount of honey, actually. It kind of covers this pile of cheese pretty well. And we have to wash that off again. You probably didn't pick up your honey, so you're probably fine. Because most people don't just tend to pick up honey. Now, the corners of the pastry, because it's on parchment paper, here's what we're going to do. I'll tell you first what we're going to do. We're going to fold the corners of the parchment paper over as much of the cheese as we can. This is not going to be easy because there's a lot more cheese than there is pastry. But let me give you a tip. One of the easiest ways to do something like this, whether it's puff pastry or pie crust, is not to try to fold the pastry, not to try to pick up the pastry. But because it's sitting on parchment paper... Pick up the parchment paper as though you're going to fold the parchment paper over the cheese and it will bring the pastry with it. And then just sort of hold that in place and go to the next section of parchment paper and fold that up. And as you go, we're going to continue around that way. It'll make folds in some of the puff pastry. It'll stick to itself a little bit. This is obviously going to boil over or cheese over. Anyway, I learned this when I was working with pie crust, that it's a lot easier to pick up the parchment paper, which will let go of the dough so that it folds over, than it is to pick up the dough itself. If you find places where you can sort of pinch it together, I think we probably should do that, because I think this is all going to just boil out of here. Well, we'll see. Okay. Now I'm going to turn my oven on. Yours should already be heating. 425. And now we need an egg. An egg. I'm going to break it into a small bowl. Here's another piece of equipment. The small bowl. And one more piece of equipment even beyond that, which is a pastry brush. Oh, and a fork. Because we got to scramble this. So we're going to scramble this egg. I'm going to beat it. Just, just beat it. Yep. Sorry, there's an earworm for you. If you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you have to be of a certain age, I guess, to know what that reference was to. Uh, we want to get the white mixed in pretty well, because we don't want just white or just yolk. And then you get the pastry brush. Now what we're going to do is dip this brush, which is it's essentially a paintbrush. What I have is a natural bristle paint brush that I bought specifically for pastry. And we dip that in the beaten egg, and we're brushing it on all the dough that we can see so that it is all going to turn kind of golden. That's really all this does. I mean, I suppose you could skip this step. It certainly does waste a good amount of egg to do this because there's no way we're going to come anywhere near using this whole egg for this. Now here we are where I'm supposed to sprinkle the sugar on here. You know what? What the heck? I love this stuff and the recipe says to do it. So I'm just going to do a really light sprinkling. It'll make it look really pretty. So, oh, oh wow, wow, that was not at all the light sprinkling I intended. And it's kind of impossible to get it just on the pastry. So it also went on the cheese. I don't know what that means. We're just going to try it. And I can always leave the cheese off next Or the cheese. I don't think I want to leave the cheese off next time. <laughs> that would not really be helpful. But I might leave the sugar off next time. We're done prepping it. It goes into the oven or the toaster oven, whatever you're using. And we set the timer for 25 minutes. 
It says 25 to 30 or until the pastry is deep golden brown and the cheese bubbly. When it comes out, you're going to want to cut it into about eight pieces. Cut it like a pizza or like a pie, you know, in wedges. And it suggests that you serve it with a little extra honey for dipping and some black pepper and your favorite bread or crackers. Although I can't see why you would need bread or crackers when it's already got pastry to it. That seems done to me. So I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to eat it in slices. I feel like I should have sprinkled a little black pepper over it before I cooked it. You know what? I'm going to pull it back out. It's crazy, but it's only been in for one minute, and I'm going to put some fresh brown pepper right there with the sugar. Is that weird? Probably very weird. Okay, let's do this. I think I'll try to keep the black pepper just over where the cheese is, but it seems to me to make more sense to grind it on there now than to do it later. I'm not going to put a lot. Okay, the pan already is too hot for me to handle. So, hot pad. All right, in it goes. One more time. Putting this back to 25 minutes, because it may take longer. It could be 25 to 30 is what it says, or until the pastry is puffed and golden and brown and cheese is melty. There you have it. We're all going to find out at the same time whether we like this. I don't know, but it's got all the right things in it to make me happy. Check out the cookalongpodcast.com website for the photos of this in the making and the finished product. And also just to get the ingredient list, since I seem to be a little scattered about getting you that today in any kind of linear way. Please tell a friend that you listen to the Cook Along podcast and maybe recommend your favorite episode to them so they can hear one for themselves and see whether they'd like to join you in listening. You are my only real advertising. It's just word of mouth, so tell people for me, please. You can contribute to the making of this podcast through your Acast app if you're using Acast. And if you're not using Acast for your podcasts and you're using one of the many other platforms in which I appear, including YouTube and SoundCloud and Facebook and all of those things, you can contribute to the making of the podcast. Just give me a little boost in morale and help with buying ingredients by visiting patreon.com and look for the Cook Along podcast there and chipping in a little bit. That would be so cool. There's a new episode every Saturday, as early as I can get it out and into the world. Every other week, we have a new recipe, and the weeks in between, we have a quick bite, which is just a conversation about things related to cooking that I think you'll find interesting. Enjoy your cheesy pastry, and until next time... Happy cooking! Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. If you're enjoying this podcast, you can make a contribution through the supporter link on every Cook Along podcast page or go to Kofi, ko-fi.com slash the Cook Along podcast. Thanks for your support and thanks for listening.